What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Hi, kids. A bit of an odd one today. Uh, I'm a little discombobulated because I, I was on a plane yesterday and I'm just coming back to work today. But this one is about finding your roots, finding your center, and a little bit of story of how I got to find myself in the woods and how I just reconnected with the woods and uh, how I'm doing today in finding my center in the woods. So without further ado, we're going to start this one up. Thanks. Greetings and welcome to the Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster. I'm here on a uh, on a gloomy day here in Redlands, California. Hang on, drinking coffee. Listen, I'm a little uh, verklempt this morning, and there's a reason for that. Because um, this time yesterday, I was in Canada, in uh, Calgary, in the Calgary airport. I just came back from a, uh, a four-day backpacking trip in uh, the wilds of uh, Golden, Canada. So if you look at your maps, Calgary is like kind of right in the middle, lower section, just above Wyoming. And uh, we traversed about three hours to the west on the Trans-Canadian Highway. And uh, when you get about two, an hour and a half in, you're in Canmore, which is a little ski town. And that's where my friend Sarah, who ran the trip, lives. And then you drive through Banff National uh, Park, which is unbelievably beautiful, with gigantic granite mountains. And then on the other side of that range is Golden, Canada, and uh, British Columbia is where we're at. And then... Uh, you drive another hour up into the hills and pull off on a uh, on a little parking lot and walk about eighty yards to a uh, a hidden little piece of uh, kind of a shack and there's a helicopter pad there and uh, then a helicopter comes and picks you up and uh, it's only like a ten minute flight but you're in the middle of nowhere when you land. So before I finish that story, let's uh, set the Wayback Machine to 1977. I was a uh, freshman in high school. And like, uh, was I a freshman? Let me think. I was, because I was transferring schools. Um, I think as we've previously discussed, and Sister Joni told me, I, I was a handful and I was a bit of a lost boy. And there were some... Uh, some adjustment issues of my youth that just, uh, I don't know, things weren't clicking, and my parents knew it. So uh, one day, and this is my, my memory and my recollection, one day my mom comes in with a, uh, a sheet of blue papers. They were, they were stapled together. There were probably about five of them, and they were uh, just a lot of questions. Some were personal questions, some were uh, open-ended questions kind of thing. And she's like, fill this out. I'm like, what is it? She goes, no, no, this will be fun. Just fill this out. Just fill this out. So, uh, you know, I filled it out. It was kind of a weird thing. I didn't understand it. 
Also, I was between schools. Now, in my freshman year, I had one year of Catholic high school. We we all got dumped into Catholic school. Uh, Lisa Kay, you can come in and say hi if you want. She's here, but she's putting around the office because we've been gone for a week. So, um, say hi. Good morning. If you want to interject, you can. If you want to keep cleaning, you can do what you want. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to keep on talking here. All right, cool. Um, I listen to a couple podcasts because I like listening to myself talk. And, <laughs> and uh, you have got to put your lips closer to the mic. Okay, sorry. Because you have a good radio voice. Thanks. But a lot of times it sounds like you're standing behind me. Okay. And and the listeners want to hear your mellifluous voice. <laughs> Did I get that right? Well, it was really close. Ma- mellifluous. So, <clears throat> freshman year. So, sorry. Parents dumped us all into uh, Catholic school all at the same time. So, I landed in eighth grade. Brother landed in sixth. Other brother landed in fourth. And sister landed in first. Uh, so... Conversely, I went to Catholic school like one year, two years, and uh, sister went all the way through college. So she's a better human than I am. Well, and they like her more. It really is what it all came down and to. Because she's Canadian now, so she's and nicer. She is, right? Sorry. We learned that in Canada that they're nicer, and the word is sorry. So in between uh, eighth grade and freshman year, uh, I kind of got recruited into Catholic high school. There was a, a, a priest named Father Charlie who was very charismatic, and we went on a little, uh, oh, I guess you'd call it a field Retreat. trip, the field trip to uh, a seminary in Riverside, California. And uh, I kind of got talked into, didn't have anything better to do, thought this would be fun. I have no idea what I was thinking kind of thing. I went to a seminary. <laughs> My freshman year. Wait, seminary, uh, for, for those of you who are not quite sure, that means that it was one of the beginning phases of learning to become a priest in the Catholic Church. I, you know, to this day, <laughs> I don't know how I thought that was going to turn out. <clears throat> anyway, so it was called Divine Word Seminary. Uh I went there for my freshman year and went to a high school in Riverside, California called Notre Dame High School, which was a Catholic high school. Uh, and spent my year with a with a bunch of other seminarians, uh, quote unquote boys, uh, who were all there for the same reason. Some were recruited from East LA, as I remember, and some were all locals. And uh, it's where I met my buddy Jim. And uh, to this day, we are besties. Uh, and like I've said before, we have uh, jokes that go back 40, 45 years. So I mean, me and him are, are me and him are pretty tight. So. Uh, digression. Uh, I I was in a seminary from freshman to sophomore, and then during that summer, the seminary closed. They ran out of money, so we were the last group of seminarians to be there that year. So this is in that time frame that my mom slipped me these uh, these notes, these papers. The blue papers the blue I papers. heard about. Okay. And uh, I filled them out. And I'm going to say this was maybe April. Maybe April. Um, come the end of school, I was told that I was going on a trip. And I'm like... <laughs> Wait. Mom comes in. She's like, you're going what do you on mean? a trip? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, you know, memories it goes way back. But hey, we're you're going on a trip this summer. We're sending you someplace. I'm like the hell I am. No, no, you're going. I remember tears. I remember kicking and crying and scratching. But uh, we started buying equipment because there was a list of things that had come in that needed to be bought uh, and used to go on this. Uh, apparently, it was a hiking trip, and I didn't know much more about it. The one thing I remember about that was packing all the things I needed because uh, I'd never been backpacking before. And So uh, all the things you thought you would need. Well, I mean, there was the list. Okay. And I think it was a suggested list, but then there were things like, well, what about toilet paper, right? If you've never been backpacking right. and, and you're going to a place where there ain't no toilets, don't you need toilet paper? I would think so. So... Uh, Dad had an old duffel bag. We stuffed that duffel bag. The one vivid memory I remember about this is that... Um, I should put the timer on, huh? The one vivid memory I remember about this is that... I got some boots. And I got some boots late. Like, I'm going to say a week out. And, and you didn't wear them before you went. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. But I got in them and they were stiff. So we ended up calling the place and they're like, uh, here's what you do. You put the boots on with a super thick pair of socks. Mm -hmm. You stand in a bathtub and you fill the bathtub up with water as hot as you can stand it. Ooh. And you stand there for about 10 minutes and then you go walk in those boots. Until, in the wet boots? Until they're dry. Uh. I had those boots for 25 years. Did you really? They were conformed to my feet. Wow. And so uh, when I told Sarah that, uh, she's like, wow, where did that knowledge go? Because that's a priceless piece of information for right. somebody, right? Right, right. So, and those are the old leather leather boots of the day. But I mean, those boots those boots literally fit, fit like a glove. Anyway, so we get close to the day and uh, mom says, we're not going with you. Somebody's picking you up. They didn't even take you? So they took me to Glendale, to these people I'd never met. I got in the back of a station wagon. There were a mom and a dad and a boy who uh, we didn't talk. I didn't know what was going on. So I remember a long, long, long ride up to the Sierras. Oh, wow. Um, in the back of this car, not speaking with these people because I didn't know them. And then we get dropped off in this area. And to my to my recollection, uh, picture a T, and on either side of the T below the cross section, there's a parking lot on either side, okay. right? Where the T part was, was like just a hill that just went up, right? Mm -hmm. So we get dropped off, and literally the parents are like, see ya, and they're gone, right? Is so, there like, okay, they drop you off. Is there another adult around? There's somewhere? other people milling around. Okay. And they were pretty hippie-ish, right? Okay. They had bandanas on their heads <laughs> and, and halter tops and scraggly beards. It was like Burning Man before it was cool kind of thing, right? Oh, my goodness. So we're in this parking lot, and, uh, and I got this big giant duffel bag full of shit, and... Um, there's a guy who's clearly in charge because he's got a clipboard. Okay. Oh, yes. And, uh, if you have a clipboard, by the way, you are in charge. That's how that goes. Shortly thereafter, a big VW van pulls up and, and they just pushed out this pile of backpacking equipment. And the VW van took off. And the guy says, everybody grab a backpack. And then they started, uh, they lined us up and they broke us into two teams of 10. There were... 
10 of us, it was all boys on this side. And the uh-huh. other side, they had two girls, but there were eight boys and two girls. And uh, I said, pick a backpack and start loading your backpack. I never loaded a backpack. <laughs> so, I okay. I'm looking at it. I go over, you know, because now I got to talk to somebody. I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. Um, I, I, I've never filled out a backpack. I don't know how to do this. He goes, uh-huh. what's your name? I go, John Webster. And he has this, this thick uh, folder. Uh-huh. And he opens the folder up, and guess what's inside the folder? What? Those blue papers. <gasps> this motherfucker had my had my blue papers. He knew all about and you. And he goes, John Webster, huh? And he starts reading through my blue papers. He goes, well, according to this, John, it looks like you're pretty intelligent, so you'll figure it out. And he walked away. Oh, no. I'm like, what the hell? So then I'm like, really? Dude, I've never done this before. And another guy came over and said, where's your stuff? And he turned my duffel bag inside out and dropped it in the dirt. And he's like, Jesus Christ, you can't bring all this with you. So he starts throwing stuff. Can't bring this. You can take this. Can't bring this. Maybe 75% of that duffel bag stayed in that duffel bag. You're not bringing toilet paper. You don't need to bring this. What's all this foot stuff for? I had really bad athlete's foot at the time. Oh, For those of you out there that have teenage boys, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, the stinky shoe syndrome. But I I, I think back now and I, I... I'm sure I didn't wash my feet, and they were and they were bad. I mean, pitted. They were so bad they were pitted, they, and they oh, stunk. Oh. Anyway, I I had athlete's foot problems, bad, right? So, uh, he threw all my spray out, all that stuff. I didn't have any medicine, none of that stuff. I, I, you know, a couple t-shirts and shorts, and and this and that, and that was that was all we do. Wow, that seems a little sparse. Lisa K, I would like to ask you a favor right now. Sure. Can I get some more coffee, please? Of course. Lisa K is the best. Okay, so we'll keep this. Uh, uh, we'll talk a little slower until she comes back. So, just about that time, another VW van pulls up, and that VW van pushes out all kinds of rock climbing equipment, which I'd never seen. There's ropes, and there's carabiners, and there's uh, crampons and there's ice axes and there. I mean, just a bunch of stuff. They're like, this all has to go on your pack. Everybody pick one. We're leaving in 20 minutes. And then once we get that, another van pulls up and that van dumps a pile of food. There is enough for one of everything in this pile. Everybody gets one of everything. Make sure you fill this in your pack because this is all you will have to eat. For the next 23 days. I'm going on a backpacking trip in the northern Sierras for 23 days. And I know none of these people and I've never done it before. Oh, we're leaving in 10 minutes. So I'm trying to put this stuff in this pack that I've never done before. I'm trying to make this stuff fit that I've never done. Be- oh, we're leaving in eight minutes. Hey, can I have some help? Nope, busy. And we're leaving in six minutes. And... So people are starting to scramble because I'm not the only one that's never done this before. And these kids are all just kind of looking crazy, crazy scared. Oh, we're leaving in two minutes. One minute. Better hurry because what doesn't make it in the pack is staying here. Here we go. And he just started walking. And he walked to the top of the T and straight up that hill. And in that time frame, everybody's scraggling and there's shit flying everywhere. And he he just took off. Guy's name was Bruce. So the 10 of us on our trip 
we followed Bruce straight up this hill. Now, I have an old journal I've read uh, occasionally when I bump into it in, in my pile of things. And, and in it, it says, because I think I wrote a letter to my mother, who I was still <laughs> not happy with. Um, I, I thought we had gone probably 10 miles that day. And, right. and in reality, we probably didn't even go a mile. Oh, right? my. We, we probably didn't even go a click. But it was all uphill. And we're like, <sighs> you know, shoes are untied and hair is unkempt. And it's just crazy. And when we finally stopped... Again, in my recollection, maybe for the next two days. Um, and remember, this is the 70s and mm. Jonathan Livingston Steagall and, and you know, Livingston. all that stuff. Yes. Um, uh, there was a lot of kumbayaing, but these guys, their goal was let's talk about how we work as a team. So, did so it what did it have a purpose? I mean, okay, I get it, but like, was it team building was it okay so if you've ever heard of outward bound right this was outward bound except christian based okay but it was it was designed to build self-esteem build team building kind of right. uh, thing that was designed to to teach you how to become a person right oh, okay and uh and kick your ass <laughs> so uh we did team building exercises for the next two days and these team building exercises were in the form of okay everybody get up and uh get on this log so they stood us on a log a big giant fallen tree right right 10 across stand here and it was a big one so it wasn't like we were we were uh you weren't uh, wobbling balancing yeah okay. wobbling and then they tied our shoes together Oh, shoot. They took my laces on my left and tied them to the guy on my right, and my laces on my right and tied them to the guy or on my left and did it on the left. Wow. And then they counted us off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And they said, number 10, you need to get to where number one is. And number one, you need to get to where number 10 is. And oh, by the way, if you fall off, you're all going and you're all going to die because this is a 300-foot cliff. Oh. So right away, as a 14-year-old... You got to learn to touch people. Oh, right? that's uncomfortable. And people you don't boys, really know. Boys, boys, to boys. People you don't know. Right. Right. Right away, you got to learn to trust people. Right away, you got to learn to negotiate small spaces with somebody you've never met who's tied to you like you're going to save their life. Wow. It was brilliant. Right. There was also another one where there was a stump. And uh, it wasn't very big, mm. and all 10 of us needed to get on that stump mm. and figure out a way to get on that stump. Um, there were other lessons along the way, too. But, I mean, there was a lot of that, and there was a lot of talking of uh, how we do this or how equipment works and mm. how, I mean, sleeping bags work. There were no tents. We were sleeping on the ground, right? Ooh. We were making, we made fires and and. Uh, at night, there was reading or there were stories, right? Uh, stories that to this day have stayed with me. And um, that was the start. On day three, I think it was day three. I'm going to say day three, maybe day four. They wake us up early. Now, one of the things we had to bring were shorts, like running shorts uh -huh. and uh, and soap, and uh, they on tennis shoes. We had our boots, but we had to have our tennis shoes. Okay. And uh, 
They woke us up super early. You know, get up, get up, get up. We got to go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Put your shorts, put your shoes, grab your soap, grab your towel. You had a little towel, like uh-huh. not a full towel. No, like a, a little short bath towel. Little, right? Yes. Hand towels. Let's go. And they ran us. We went for a run, up a trail run, up up in the Sierras. We ran for a good mile and then came back down. And uh, we kind of followed the San Joaquin River, which is a pretty decent river up in there. Right. And uh, there was a little carved out space. So like the river flows, but sometimes it diverts a little bit. And there's like little pools that form. I think one of our other counselors' name was Ellie. And Ellie was doing this one with us. And they got us to this little carved out space. And every single one of us had to get in the front lean and rest position or the, um, uh, what is that in yoga? Uh, uh, plank, plank, plank plank position. And, uh, we had to do a full push up all the way down underwater for the count of three and then push up out of the water twice. What? So everybody count, right? Get down into the water. You're looking at the water on your marks. Go. You push up down into this water, all the way under the water. One, two, three. Come on out. Do it again. One, two, three. Then you get out, soap up, lather up, and then you get in and do that and again. You, and you rinse off. And wow. this was this was a Sierra bath, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that doesn't uh, sound appealing to me. Uh, that's breakfast but... of champions, right there. So <laughs> while we had been doing this. In a, a closer part of the river that was together, uh, one of the guys had taken a set of ropes and walked across the river, and then the two of them had walked farther upstream, maybe it was downstream, to a crevasse, crevasse, crevasse. that was about 150, 170 foot down. What? So we were on top of this cliff looking down at the waterfall of this river and there was a rope spanning this area. They had tied these ropes off and we were about to do what was called a Tyrolean Traverse. That does not sound safe to me. So this is where... It didn't look safe. (laughs) This is where they put us in harnesses. They learned how to do harness. We learned how to do harnesses. And this is before, like, mountain climbing equipment wasn't the same as it was today. Right. We made harnesses out of rope, right? So you learn how to pack your balls up pretty tight (laughs) and use a carabiner to, to... put that stuff in and we learned about knots and so we we all knotted ourselves up and put on the harness around our waist around wow. the crotch locked ourselves in with a double carabiner double carabinered the ropes and then you crawl out on this motherfucking rope <clears throat> Ooh. then you get upside down and you pull yourself and you put your feet over so over, you're upside right. down and you're dragging yourself across this Tyrolean traverse. Like backwards, and, upside down. And in the middle of it, they scream, stop. Look down. No. Now bounce. No. Because this is an exercise in learning how to trust rope. Because they tell you it'll hold 1,500 pounds and you can't break it. But you have to know when you're on this rope that oh, it won't break. Goodness. So and, and they wouldn't let you go until you looked down, until you let go of that rope and until you bounced on it. Uh, and then you could go across, right? Uh, Team building confidence exercises. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you, though, 
that shit has stayed with me for life. Right. 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 You do it once. It's like skydiving, I would imagine, because I've never done that. But once you do it, you've done it. Right. So uh, then we finished that and we set about to traveling through those Sierras. Okay. And um, at night we would stop and tell stories. They read us The Little Prince. Oh, I love that book. Oh, In My Heart Forever, right? They told us stories that, that you know, the you know the Jonathan Livingston Steagle stories. You know, the right. story, story about a, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but it's like uh, there was a kid... And uh, he looked up in the mountain, and the old Indians talked about the man in the mountain, and there was a face that was carved into the mountain. Right. And he right. went his whole life looking for the Indian, and he never found him, and he spent so much time looking for the Indian. He traveled the entire world. He learned so many things. He never found the man in the mountain. And one day, as an old, old, old man... Oh, my goodness. He's sitting on a bench fuck what the hell i'm reliving my youth he's sitting on a bench and a kid goes look the man on the mountain and he turns the look and the kid's pointing at him right oh, i mean you know that kind of stuff yeah, yeah and we're yeah. all sitting around the fire going oh my god it was him <laughs> so i mean that kind of stuff there was another time where uh farther along on the traverse we were up in the snow line and uh bruce had uh come back and he's like you know how we tell you not to stand too close to the rocks when it's all snowy we're like yeah and then we kind of looked down and his shin was just scraped and bloody ooh because he had fallen down and scraped it on a rock and and he was so we had to, to bandage him up ooh Allie had gone for a little uh rock climbing expedition and she'd gone up we were we were parked next to these rocks this particular time and if you crawl up about 30 feet, there was like a chimney where we could crawl up 30 feet on the top of these rocks that were super flat. Um, a a pool had formed in these rocks. A natural pool had formed in these rocks because of the snow melt. And um, the fucking water was warm. So we all climbed this chimney. And like, I mean, Lord of the Flies style, all us boys just sat up in this bath at sunset, taking Aww. a bath in this in this natural rock lake. How amazing. You know, that kind of stuff. And so uh, when we got higher up, we did uh, rock climbing. And the rock climbing, bouldering really, what was right. bouldering then. But um, part of that uh, learning experience was how much weight you can actually put on the toe of a boot, right? Can yeah. you stand there? Can you balance there? Will it hold you? Do vibrant soles really work on gravity? That kind of stuff. And then uh, blindfolded us, what? took our shoes off. Now you got to feel the rock barefoot. Can you climb the rock barefoot and feel how to get up and down on this? You learn quick when you do that shit. Oh, my goodness. There was another part when we got up in the snow line where we took our ice axes and... Uh, we climbed up this long, 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 slopey hill. Mm -hmm. uh, an ice axe, uh, if you don't know, has a pointy end. You can kind of traverse with it. It has a, It's a stick with a pointy end, and then it has an axe. It has a, a pick on one side and mm -hmm. kind of a... It kind of looks like a thing you would clear the ice on your car with, right? right. On it your almost windshield. looks like a, a Phillips head like, screwdriver. Oh, like, a, like a comb on one side and a pick on the other. Anyway... Okay. Uh, we go all the way up this, probably 300 yards up, and uh, if not a little bit longer, they make you sit down, you put the ice axe on your chest, fit with the pick facing up, 
They hold your feet. What? And you lay upside down. Uh-uh. And they drop you. No. And you slide backwards and you have to flip over, push the ice axe into the snow, drag your toes and stop yourself. Uh-uh. This is how you learn ice climbing I, and rock climbing you know, and snow stuff, There's right? got to be a different way to teach somebody that. Think about today's today's day and age. No. Would, would, would you subject your 14-year-old to that now? Uh, I would not. This is, I don't have a 14-year-old, but... Um, this is how we got woke culture, if you want. <laughs> if you want well, okay, <laughs> because... I am more cautious about things like that, and if uh, I would have a problem sending my child, I'm to go sure do that. my mother didn't know that's what they were doing. <laughs> I'm, pretty uh, I'm sure. pretty sure, right? Yeah. But let me tell you, this this whole trip set the tone for life, right? Right. So, uh, one of the last things uh, that happened on that trip is we got higher up into the snow line as we went to a uh, a place in the northern Sierras. The two highest points in the North Sierras are Mount Ritter and Mount Banner. We kicked snow steps. I kicked snow steps because I was the lead that day in in three, four foot snow for for hours. Wow! And um, I got a little. Uh, uh, I had a blood sugar issue, mm. and I started. Uh, I probably got in stage two hypothermia that night, mm. where somebody had to get in a sleeping bag with me naked, mm. and and warm me up, and. Um, I remember waking up and looking at the stars and seeing a satellite for the first time. Like we oh, didn't know what that was. Wow. It took us a while to figure out what that was. Anyway, the next day I was fine. We climbed up Mount Benner, we Ritter, and we wrote our names in a little box at the top there. I, I always wondered what happened to those, but that's a thing that's called to me. Like I would like to go to Mount Ritter next year and, and hike that. Okay. Uh, and then at the very end, um, one of my buddies who was from texas his name was glenn he like the second to the last day out he got really sick and they had to pack him out and like tie a rope to his waist and and oh almost my. drag him out never heard from him again don't know what happened oh and then we got done and um bust back in uh i don't remember how i got home i don't remember if my dad came and got me or if i went with somebody I have a picture of how long my hair was and how dirty I was, um, but I couldn't sleep in my house for weeks. I really? slept. I slept out in the car or I slept out in a tent in my front yard for weeks. Wow! And then shortly after that, uh, I got very, very, very sick, and I have very little memory of the next few weeks. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was exhausted. I'd watch TV for ten minutes and pass out for hours. Wow! And um, just as the doctor. Uh, was about to uh, refer me. He's like, oh, it looks like we haven't taken uh, urine from you. Can you pee in this cup? And I peed in the cup, and you could not see through it. It was so dark. <gasps> He's like, oh, crap. And so it turns out I had hepatitis. Well, uh, wait, did, if the guy got taken out and he more, was sick, More than likely. More than he likely. Did, he did, too. Okay. and Because uh, it's pretty contagious. It turns out, we'll tell that story in a minute, but uh, it was hepatitis A. So it was, Ooh. it was. I think they called it amoebic hepatitis. And more than likely, they hypothesized that uh, I picked it up from dirty water that had been uh, either not cleaned. We didn't clean our utensils properly, or we picked it up from water that, that was probably had some, uh, uh, that was not the cleanest. And so uh, that stayed with me for a while. I didn't get to play football that year. Aww. I barely made it to track season. I was out for about six months. Um, 
Well, you have to be really careful when you have hepatitis because the liver is inflamed and any sort of... Um, oh, yeah. I was I was famous that year. Right. I bet. So just because I, I, again, have been in education, have dealt with this, any sort of bump to the liver can actually get you a laceration in your liver and become a life-threatening problem. And then when it was discovered that I had hepatitis, oh, no. uh, the county health department came and interviewed me and said, have you been uh, with <laughs> anybody... And when we mentioned them and they went and traced it, oh, no. uh, there were 236 kids that had already left camp that needed hemoglobin shots. I oh. was famous that summer, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so uh, once that finished, though, what I'm saying is that, that that whole trip set me for life, right? Mm-hmm. It gave me an appreciation for nature. It gave me an appreciation for that type of lifestyle. It... it it, it opened my mind to a lot of different ways in which you can um, live right. and, and see things. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's one of the things that made me or helped me make the decision to get into the Army mm-hmm. when I was uh, a little bit lost after high school because mm-hmm. it was really only four years later, that, that have, five years later that that happened. And mm-hmm. so... Um, and then once I got in the army, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I've done a fucking Tyrolean traverse. I know how to do this. Right. You know, I'm just doing it with a weapon now. But I mean, it it, right. it really set that mindset of, I, I I can do this. I can do this, and I can kick all your asses. Kind of do that. And it's one of those things that's been set there forever. Mm-hmm. All of this to say that uh, there was a long, long split. I've always been athletic. I've always done some kind of thing. I've always been. Uh, close with the nature but i don't go out and do it all the time and in the last three or four years maybe five years as i've gotten older and Mm -hmm. gotten to the point where it's like i'm i'm on the back end of life here oh my Um, goodness i want to go back to my youth and do that i want to climb mount ritter i want to go do stuff so last year i came across a friend of mine who does adventure stuff for a living Uh and she had an opening and uh I went and did it, and I'm just coming back from the second year, and uh, I'm going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back in and talk about what just happened. So after uh, the 2014 dissection class, Lisa, uh-huh. uh, one of my friends up there said, you have to go to Integrative Intentions, which right. is a cranial sacral thing in uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, right? where uh, therapists like myself bring a client that needs a lot of work. Okay. And you have four or five therapists, craniosacral therapists and practitioners of various kinds, but primarily craniosacral, uh-huh. working on a body. On one one client. Five hours a day wow. for five days straight. <gasps> That's a it's, lot. Uh, magical doesn't even cover it. Transformative is probably a better word. Okay. And in addition to that work, they have like a, a deprivation tank and an outdoor pool and and uh, equine therapy. They drop the table in uh, in the stalls and the horses come and help do the work. Oh, and wow. You wouldn't think that's a thing, but let me tell you, it is. And uh, so I learned a lot from there. Anyway, as a result of that, uh, or at that place, I met uh, the wonderful Sarah Harvey, who said she would come on when she was done doing what she's doing in uh in October. So we'll oh, hit her lovely. up in October and we'll okay. have a, a Sarah Harvey conversation. But she's kind of an adventure uh, outdoor guide. So mm-hmm. literally she left this thing I was just at and got on a plane and flew to Idaho and now she's doing 
uh, whitewater rafting trips for the next month and a half. Oh my! And then she's going from there to um, she's been doing, and this will be a very cool topic when we talk to her. Um, ketamine therapy with another doctor and she's doing craniosacral therapy while this doctor's doing ketamine therapy. Oh my. And uh, they've had some pretty interesting results. So I can't wait to talk to her about that. Anyway, this is Sarah. And Sarah uh, runs an, a, an outdoor adventure thing up in the uh, Northern Rockies of the Canadian mountains in the Selkirk Range mm-hmm. mountains. And that's kind of where I was at. And so last year we helicoptered in and walked from, uh, there's four ski huts and we walk from hut to hut. It's about uh, 10K or 5K each. No, 10K, 10K each. And then the last one is this huge, huge three-story structure that uh, the builders were pretty freaking smart and engineers and they they siphoned water off of one of the local lakes and turned it into a hydroelectric plant. Oh my. And so in the middle of nowhere in this giant ski lodge that they built, uh, they have electricity and running water. Oh, wow. And... Uh, you can pee inside the hut, but uh-huh. you're gonna poop in an outhouse. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not; it, it doesn't have a sewer system, but uh, pretty cool stuff, right? And and one of the highlights of all these ski lodges is they have uh, an outdoor an outdoor building that has a wood burning stove, oh. and they've turned it into a sauna. So they have the wood burning stove, and they take a huge five gallon pot and fill it with water. They they pipe oh. water into this hut so you have cold water right then they fill this pot and put it on top of the stove and heat this water up oh wow so you have a sauna oh my and then you can take with a bucket cold water and hot water and put it into another bucket and uh that turns into a shower if you want to pump uh water into the shower that's amazing yeah so it's not like backpacking at all so anyway one of the reasons i'm telling you this is i just got back from this place i was up there for the weekend i flew up to calgary on thursday and then uh flew back just yesterday and it was uh four days of uh day hiking but it's way up there in the canadian rockies and they were pretty Uh, decent day hikes and then on top of that uh after two days in a row i was pretty sore i took the day off and everybody went day hiking and uh i had the whole place to myself and i i reset and let me tell you um when you're in a place that has zero noise and i mean zero no birds chirping no wind blowing no nothing uh you can reset your nervous system pretty quick uh all of this to say that this is where I found my roots. And I think everybody out there has a thing that would have kind of defined who you became and how you became. And some are good and some are bad. But here's my point to the whole story. You can always go back and you can find your center. And when you do, take the time to reset and reconnect and reground and, uh, be part of and become part of or remember part of or remember all of who you are, where you came from, what makes your birds sing, what makes you who you are uh, in the place that you love yourself the most. And uh, reconnecting can be very healing. And having dreams about reconnecting can also be very healing. You can you can have a goal to reconnect and then go get that goal and reconnect and reheal. 
Yeah. So even though the original story, I didn't want to go on. I didn't want to do. I didn't like it. Uh, it turns out it defined who I was to become later. And as I'm getting older, um, kind of makes me want to do it again because that's when I was at some of my most peaceful and happiest. That does not include the day I got married or the time I spend with my beautiful wife because I do love that. But in my soul, my reconnected spirit, my roots of what she fell in love with and what I like the most about me, it's good to go back there and get that every once in a while, right? It's good to disconnect and not be engaged in all these electronics all the time. That's one of the rules up there. Turn your fucking phones off, right? And uh, every morning we wake up, no matter what time you wake up, and they call it sacred silence. And I'm not a silence guy, but rules are rules. You don't talk. There's 10 of us, 12 of us walking around the place. Uh, we can wave, we can hug, we can say hi but uh, with our hands, but no talking until yoga's over. I did more yoga than I've done uh, in quite a while, twice a day, which uh, kind of takes away the kinks from the day before. So that's kind of my story for the week. Uh, not a deep one, but reconnecting and, and grounding and finding your peace is a thing you should all be doing every once in a while. I realize there's a rat race and we have to work and that uh, business is business and money is money and kids are kids and you know, all the stuff that comes with life. But every once in a while, unplug, check out, reconnect, find your center, and then go back in. Yeah? Because I think that's one of the best things we as humans can do for ourselves and for those around us. So uh, a little bit disconnected today. I apologize for that. But like I said, I, f I flew in from Calgary yesterday and I went right to work today. And... Uh, I was on the uh, back end of I got to get this thing up and running. So that's our podcast for the week, right? Lisa Kay has left the building, so it's just me. I'm uh, going to sign off now. I wish you all peace and centering and good love, hope, hugs for yourself. Bye.